Our special guest for this episode is Dr. Nicora Plaka. She is a teacher educator at Hunter College and the author of Six Tools for Collaborative Mathematics Coaching. Previously on Teaching Like Ted Lasso. So today I thought we would talk about coaching. I mean, mean, coaching. Mentoring. <laughs> I know that some of the work that you're doing with complex instruction is is attempting to do things that are much more than simply the algorithm of here. Let me teach you how to do these things. So it was amazing. So my pre-service secondary teachers were at great local high school. They were seeing those uh, complex instruction norms in practice. Oh wow! So complex instruction is a set of principles and practices for using group work to promote both equity and rigor. And one of the things that I learned, it was my first year teaching, and I was complaining about this first grader and a second grade teacher said, Jeff, you have to understand this. All kids are good. You don't know what that kid child goes to home to every day. But if you can put in your mind that all kids are good, we just have to find a way to get that good out of them. I love that scene where he's just letting the team brainstorm all the different ways that they could try to win the game. And I think we should do that more. We should do less telling to teachers about what they should be doing and more about hearing what their ideas are that could help continue to advance student achievement and classroom equity. Dad, when I see Coach Docker on TV, it doesn't look like you're doing anything. <laughs> well, it's because I'm not. All right. <laughs> It ain't like being a football coach back home, kiddo. You got a lot less control, because once the game gets going, I can't tell my fellas what to do, so I just got to hope that everything I've been trying to teach them made some sort of impact on them, and that they'll make the right decisions when they're out there on their own. You know, it's kind of like being a dad, I guess, huh? Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Warning, we expect that you have watched Ted Lasso. There will be spoilers ahead and scenes that don't make sense if you don't have some familiarity with the show. Teaching Like Ted Lasso is excited to welcome Dr. Nicora Plaka to the podcast. So I'm Nicora Plaka. Right now I'm an assistant professor at Hunter College, which is part of the City University of New York. And I teach math methods, I work with our pre-service teachers, and then I still do a lot of work with districts and schools and coaching and consulting and some different work there. But before I kind of got into higher ed, I was an elementary school teacher and then a middle school math teacher and then a coach. And then I did some coaching, you know, school-based coaching, district-based coaching. I now kind of do different types of coaching with schools and districts, both in New York and then outside of New York. And I just really try to think about ways to support teams, right? I think when I started coaching, I did a lot of one-on-one individual coaching because that's what I knew. And then as I started working, it became really important for me to work with teams of teachers, right? And learn together as opposed to me kind of going in and doing a coaching cycle, which I think is really important. But for me, it was like the same as when I was in a classroom I didn't want to go like one by one with all the students at ping pong. Right. I was like, how do we build a collective knowledge here? And so that's kind of where the book came from. The six tools were things I've tried out over the years. And I always say it's like the book I wish I had when I started coaching. because <laughs> I had no idea. I just came in and was like, go coach, like no direction. Also is the result of a lot of mistakes I made. So it was like, I tried all these things. They didn't work. 
So maybe someone could learn from that and not have to go through that process that I went through. Yeah. Although, I mean, you just, you describe it as always being this kind of cyclic process. Yeah. So so the podcast is teaching like Ted Lasso. So I I do need to ask, are you familiar with the show at all? A little bit. Yes. A little bit. All right. So not required, right? (laughs) Because we're, we're here to access your uh, expertise on math uh, teaching and coaching. Often in the show, Ted Lasso uses uh, kind of a silly question as an icebreaker. Love it. uh, The question we've got this episode is, if you could teach any sport in any country, where would you want to go? Oh, I love that question. So first, I think it's important to say I know nothing about sports at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. So I would be a terrible coach at anything. Well, so the, so the whole pre- the whole premise of the show is right. You got this American football coach going to coach football in England, right? So he knows nothing about nothing, soccer, right? Right? Yeah. So and and you're a pretty you're a pretty good <laughs> coach. So uh, <laughs> I'm thinking that uh, there could be a parallel here. There, oh, I love that. Okay, let's see. If I could go anywhere, I feel like I would like to teach baseball in South America. I don't, and I'll tell you, very random. First of all, I really want to go visit South America. I like, I've been to a couple places. I speak a little bit of Spanish, so that might help me. And also, I think baseball is kind of a cool sport, just in that there's nine players. They kind of work together, but they each have an individual role. They they play both sides. They hit and they you know field. So I think it'd be really cool. Like I don't think I could handle like football with all these different teams and. I'd like one group. They kind of go in. I feel like I know a little bit about baseball. It'd be fun. Oh, very good. Anywhere <laughs> specific in South America? Maybe Colombia. Oh, yeah. I've never been, but uh, everybody I do know from there who've gone there is, describes it as the most beautiful place on earth. Yes. I have been to Cartagena and I have some friends from there. So I feel like it'd be like I've I've only spent a little bit of time there, but I'd like to spend some more. Then uh, as we move into kind of thinking about the coaching, do you want to describe kind of your book and the idea behind your book? You know, I think writing a book is an interesting process because it forces you I, writing in general, any type of writing. I mean, I started as blogging. That's how the book came out. I started blogging just about what I was learning from research. And when I was doing my doctorate, I was learning all this really cool stuff. And I thought, like, why didn't I learn all of this when I was teaching? So I really for me, it was a way to process what I was learning and think about how to apply it. And I think the book for me was a chance for me to say, these are all the things I've done what's really worked and how do I, the the process of writing really helped me formalize a lot of the things I was doing that I didn't even realize I was doing. It's organized into six tools that I've used to create these opportunities for teams to learn together. Tool one is building teams. Tool two, student interviews. Tool three, visiting classrooms. Tool four, learning walks. Tool five, rehearsing routines, and tool six, lesson study. And so it starts with the first tool is just building teams. How do we build a team of learners? Similar to how you do that in a classroom. How do you build a classroom culture that encourages learning? So for me, it's really important when I work with a new school to say how, you know, what are the dynamics here? How do I build upon them? How do I leverage what's already going on? And how do I maybe recreate some norms that we might need for learning together. 
So that's kind of like the overall, like I always say you could use the tools in any order, but if you don't have that, every other tool falls apart. So tool one needs to, like, you need to have a culture <laughs> for learning. Some schools are really great at that. And I need to do like minimal work on that. They, I come in and it's this beautiful culture that's been created and I can slip in. Others need a little more support in that area because of things that have gone on. And every school has a different, different culture for learning. And then the other five tools are just different different things I've learned from research about how to learn together. So something like using student interviews has been really successful for me in one, just changing the dynamic of a team meeting or a PL, bringing a student in and learning from that student and us all learning together, right? And so for me, like coaching is like positioning yourself alongside teachers, you're part of the learning process, and then creating the opportunities for the learning to come. So whether that's through questioning, whether that's through specific focused activities, but really creating those opportunities for them. So like tool six is lesson study. Lesson study is great, but someone needs to do all the logistics and organize that and help the team and teachers don't have time to do that. So that's the role of the coach is to help facilitate that. But then once we started, I'm a learner alongside the teacher. And I think that's been for me the most powerful way to learn similar to in a classroom, right? When I was a teacher, I learned alongside my students sometimes, right? I learned, they shared a new strategy. I learned with them about that new strategy. But I think when I started coaching, I was very much like when I was a new teacher, like I have to be the one who has all the knowledge and I have to be the one who disseminates. And, you know, when I shifted in my teaching, that was a big thing. And when I shifted in my coaching, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. I, lo- I love that you see these, these all as being similar. And Part of what, for me, made your book so much different than a lot of books on coaching is that that idea that you're not you're not telling teachers what they need to do, right? Or seeing yourself as the expert and them as the novices. It it's all it, it's all about creating uh, uh, these opportunities for learning, mm-hmm. and and so those tools they really are going to be site specific, right? It's going to be those teachers and those learners. And um, the things that you're generating to learn from are about those kids, right? And that's that's just really creating an opportunity for powerful learning. I think of the power when you're teaching math of when a student has an aha moment because they constructed an understanding on their own, right? And I I think one of my fears of working with adults was I wasn't going to get that same aha moment. But you can, right? There there are aha moments that happen when we're coaching with teachers when they construct their own knowledge about something or they come to their own understanding about something. It's very different than saying, we're going to use number talks because number talks are really great, right? And I'm, I'm going to tell you why they're really great and you're going to do them and you're going to see that they're really great as opposed to, wow, there's this problem going on with my students with their, you know, not problem, but they're they're having maybe some challenges with, decomposing, recomposing numbers. And wow, when I use a number talk, I notice that they can start to access these different ways to think about numbers. Like that's a very powerful learning, very different than if I just came in and said, we're all going to do number talks. Let's go and do number talks tomorrow. <laughs> uh, guilty admission. I've I've been there, right? Kind of doing that. Yeah. So thinking about it from this team aspect, what's something that in that tool one that you feel like helps really get team formation going in the school? I love the complex instruction tasks. Are you familiar with them at all? 
Yeah. One of the things I'm so excited about in my own job is we got to hire Joy Osland. She's quite an expert in that. And Lisa Hawley, our other new hire, also we're under that advisor. And so as a department, I feel like we're really moving forward with that. The tasks have been so helpful for me. They were helpful for me as a teacher in building norms. But then when I use them in professional learning, when I'm first working with a team, I think they provide a couple things. One, it's always great to do an activity that teachers can use with their students because that's important. It also shows a little bit about how I think about learning, right? They get a kind of sense of my beliefs and attitudes towards learning. And it forces them into a task that requires them all to participate and them all to learn from one another, as opposed to just kind of coming in and saying like, what are the norms we wanna set for our group together? We do an activity and then we say, what came out of this? Like, what did you like about working together? What did you not like? What might you change? How might this influence the ways in which we work together? Something, I just did broken squares with a group. And so they, it's silent activity. They all get pieces and they have to create four equal squares and there's no talking. And that came out like, oh, we, like no one is able to dominate the conversation. And it doesn't matter. So one of the teachers said, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm a new teacher or I'm a veteran teacher, like I have the same value in this group because the group's not done until we all have a square. And so out of this activity, like the activity was like an anchor for us to have this conversation, but we were able to have it about the task as opposed to, you know, last week in the grade meeting, you shut my (laughs) idea down, right? So we're having about a test, but it's bringing up those issues. And then as a coach, especially when I work with a new group, it allows me to observe the dynamics. Even in the silent activity, I'm observing dynamics. So I could see there's people getting frustrated. I could see there's people who want to take the pieces from someone else. (laughs) I could see who's maybe a little bit more hesitant. And so I'm getting a lot of information about a team before we've even done any work together about math. And so that's just one example. But I think for me, that's a way to, again, help us like construct our norms for working together mm-hmm. without me telling them these are the norms. We're going to be respectful of each other. We're going to, you know, there it's going to come out, but it's going to come out from them and not from me. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot. So this semester is my first semester really trying to be intentional about sharing complex instruction with my pre-service teachers. And um, I, I, I need more of those activities up front. You know, we did some the first day and then tried to get into kind of more content specific ones that I had developed for later on. But I think kind of more of that, why haven't I done broken circles with them or broken squares, right? So I'm learning. <laughs> but It's hard to balance, right? Especially everyone's concerned about timing, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a coach, whether you're like a professor, we never have enough time to do anything. I feel pressure and this sense of urgency just like everyone else. And so for me, it feels like, oh, am I wasting time doing doing this? But I do think like that repeated exposure sometimes is worth it, right? Because I get exposed to it the first time, then we do another activity, it builds on that last one. Then we do another activity, it builds on that last one. And I do think like, particularly for like creating communities of learning, it doesn't happen in one 10 minute experience. Right. It's really hard to you know, and I, I say all the time, I have to revisit. I mean, there's teams I've worked with for years and we still have to revisit norms sometimes because we got off track. We have a new member. We have, you know, there's been transition, whatever life events are happening. So 
it's important. I think it's important to come back to it, but it does feel like it's, it's hard to know what to spend time on. Every aspect of it that, that has clicked has been valuable. One of the norms that I received from Joy is this idea of the middle space. So she creates kind of a middle space in her groups with, you know, a whiteboard or a laminated poster board or something where they can work together, right? So that, that common space has to be preserved. And in a class that struggled with some of the other norms, that really stuck and they saw the value in that. And it's it's been really interesting then and then how that manifests as the, the semester goes on. That's very cool. What is that called? Middle space? Yeah. I like, like that middle, a lot. Middle space. All right. So you pose a question in the book for people to think about. Does everybody need a coach? Mm. So how how would you answer that? I, I feel like I, I asked that as a leading question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, my answer is yes. You know, let's go back to sports analogies here, right? These professional players who are the best at what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Have coaches, right? And I think of that all the time. There's this TED talk I think I share in the in the book that I've used a lot and I'm going to forget the surgeon's name, but he talks about having a coach in the operating room, which I never thought about, but how these like slight adjustments or someone else working with you, you notice things that you didn't notice. I mean, even for myself, I have people who coach me and I do professional learning and someone will say, Oh, did you notice that you did this and you could have asked it this way? Have you thought of, I think we all need, need coaches and opportunities to grow and learn. And I mean, I think that's what's beautiful. I think that's what keeps me engaged in my own work is that there's always ways to learn and change and do more. And also, if we believe in, you know, research and things evolving, new information comes out, right? And so we need a way to process that and someone to help us kind of think that through. I didn't want to, I guess, ask you the softball question, but it's great to hear you kind of talk through the thinking on that, right? That that we none of us are at a point where where we can't learn about it. And it is good to look at these these kind of parallel situations, right? So there's no professional player so good that they they don't need a coach. And especially when you bring the team aspect into it. If you believe that learning occurs through your interactions with other people and you believe learning occurs from processing information with other people, then you need that team aspect in order to do that, right? You need to have an opportunity to share ideas with other people, right? So, I mean, even, you know, it's funny, I talk about like the book is about collaboration, but I wrote it by myself, right? But (laughs) so I would say like, how silly is that? But I didn't really, right? Because all the process I had was getting feedback and I was talking with Tracy Zagar, who's my editor, who's amazing. And and we spent a lot of time talking about coaching and refining ideas and thinking through things. But really the power of the book has been having conversations with people about it, right? And I've learned, I said, someone says, oh, I tried this out this way. I say, oh yes, that's a great idea. I need to think about that. Let me figure out (laughs) how to do that in my work. I mean, that's been for me, how the learning happens. I think it happens when people like discuss books together or discuss ideas together because we grow, like we grow in our own understanding from those conversations with other people. I don't know if this is a fair question to ask you, but a group of teachers who don't have a coach, I could imagine them reading this book together and trying to be that for each other. I, I mean, have you, have you seen any situations where kind of they home grow a coach? I think it's amazing to me how teachers find 
the support that they need. And I, I honestly think that like the online community has been a way that a lot of teachers do that, right? That's how they share ideas. That's how they start to learn. They follow people that are sharing ideas that resonate with them. And I think they, that can happen within schools too. Mm-hmm. I, I think my experience has been when I've left the school to watch what happens, right? I would say like my goal, especially like at this point, right? Cause I'm not a school-based coach anymore, a district-based coach. Like my goal when I come in and work with teams is that like, I'm only going to be there for a temporary amount of time. And then you're either going to figure out as a school who could take on a coaching role if you don't have one mm-hmm. or how the team can operate, right? what can we put in place for the team to operate and be able to do things? So it's interesting for me to see what happens when I leave. So I do have some schools where like we identified someone who really could take on a coaching role, maybe not full-time, but a part-time coach, like they could have a hybrid role. Like that's been part of my transition work is kind of like getting them ready and helping supporting them. And then others where the team really was functioning, like they, they no longer needed a coach because they had all the tools so they could alternate who was going to maybe do some of the logistics and they could work that way. But I do think it's, it's possible for like a team to take some of these tools and try to use them. Like why I advocate so strongly for coaches is teachers have so many responsibilities on their plate that I feel like it's unfair to then ask them to also do some of these logistics and planning and and the work of a coach on top of the 8 million other things that they're asked to do. So, you know, if it was like up to me, I would say every school should have someone who could help them in that coaching role. And maybe it alternates, right? Maybe it doesn't always have to be the same person, but maybe one year this person of the math department spends a year coaching, almost like how we do in universities where department chair rotates. Could we do that where everyone gets a chance to to have that role and to take that on? But I hate piling more. It just it makes me uncomfortable to say, like, let's pile more onto them and ask them to coach in addition to everything else. Yeah, it's always easy to ask them to do more, but but never fair to. Does your faculty have a coach? No. Mm-hmm. Excellent question. I, I think universities are so interesting, right? In that everyone's siloed to some extent like I'm in the school of ed, you know, like we don't have a lot of people in each discipline. So it's really interesting. I do think we do a lot of peer observations. We go in and we kind of, so that's a form of coaching, I guess we go in and we watch each other's teaching and give feedback. And I would say in writing, I would say writing groups are probably the most similar to that, right? So I'm part of this faculty writing fellowship where like we have a mentor faculty advisor, and then the group works together on writing. So we share writing and and that person kind of leads us through that and sets up so that that would, I, okay, I take back what I said. I do have a coach. (laughs) I have a coach for writing, maybe not for teaching, but for writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really valuable experience to have, to have someone who could set the structures up for us. How are we going to give peer feedback? How are we going to have conversations about our work? And then we get to learn as a team about writing which is again, a solo endeavor a lot, in a lot, a lot of times. And so it's interesting to talk about writing together. Although, as you pointed out, it's a weird kind of solo where it often comes from these group experiences and uh, there's lots of voices involved. I don't know if you have anything to say about this or not, but uh, some of the discussion in, with other people we've talked to about this has been, do you see um, connections or differences between coaching and mentoring? So that's, I've never thought about this question, but I love it. 
I think for me, coaching is a bit more formal, right? In that strategically creating learning opportunities for a team, right? And I have a goal and I'm really clear on what that goal is. I mean, it, it might be co-constructed with the team or with the district, but there's a goal and I'm creating learning objectives for it. And I'm kind of measuring that. I'm working on that almost like I was doing a math lesson, right? So I'm, I'm really thinking about like, what's my goal here? What are the learning opportunities? How do I do it? Whereas I think mentoring to me seems a little bit more informal of like helping people navigate the space, giving them a place to have conversations about things, giving them support in their career, right? Like, so when I think about like mentoring a teacher, I would think about, you know, work I've done, maybe helping that teacher give presentations, right? At NC, like I've done a lot of work mentoring teachers to like give presentations at NCTM because I think that's an important part of their growth or just mentoring, like they want to switch schools, right? Like how do I, but I don't think of that as like coach, like coaching to me is like this more formal thing I do. So to bring it back to like a classroom, I would think, like the mentoring I do with would do with students would be some of that kind of more informal, like, you know, what do you want to do? How can I help you meet your goals? As opposed to like something specific about teaching, right? Or, or like in the classroom would be like specific about mathematics with coaching. I think it's like specific about growing in your teaching as opposed to like your personal career goals or personal development. Yeah, I don't know. What have other people said? Now I'm so curious. <laughs> well, it, it definitely depends kind of where they're coming from, right? So mm -hmm. uh, some people see them as as very much the kind of the same sort of activity, uh, but I think they have kind of a more general view of what a coach is than than you, who's an, a genuine expert in what a coach does, right? I like that kind of. I mean, they're both learning situations, but. Mm -hmm. uh, but kind of your responsibility for the learning situation as a coach um, yeah. feels like a, feels like a genuine distinction. Yeah. I yeah. also think what a coach means is not clear across different schools. So I go into schools and the coach is like the substitute teacher. And that I'm like, that's really not the, I don't know what happens here, but the coach <laughs> is like substituting or they're like a testing, like they have all of these different ways in which they've made this role that is not coaching, or they have them coaching seven different subjects. And I'm like, I, I don't understand what's happening here. So I think even that, I think some people have written about that, what all the different hats coaches wear and what, how their time is not always being spent on instructional coaching. Maybe that's another way to think about it, like instructional coaching versus mentoring. One thing I for sure wanted to get a chance to ask you about was I love in your reflection, actually, I think it was on that book, right? Where you talk about, for me, coaching is a constant cycle of reflecting and learning and modifying, right? It's maybe easier for people to think about that a coach is trying to get teachers to go through this cycle. How is it that you as a coach are going through this cycle? Mm, that's a great Great question, especially, right, if a coach doesn't have a coach, right? <laughs> so a lot of times the coach is helping the teacher go through that cycle and have a chance to formalize. For me, writing has been really important. And whatever I set as my cycle for a school, right? So let's say I'm working with school for a school year. I try throughout that process to do some like reflections on what's working and what's not. Just very informal. No one ever reads them. They're for me. They actually helped me a lot in writing the book. 
but I just take notes. Sometimes I do it on my phone. Sometimes like on the subway back, I'm like writing, but just like what went well in this coaching. So we just did, you know, student interviews, what's going well, what did we learn? What did I learn about myself? For me, sometimes it's even like I'm struggling with something. And I don't know why it's, I'm trying to figure out why something's not working. So I do that through a lot of writing. And then I am lucky that I have some other coaching friends who I can bounce ideas off of. So I do a lot of that. And I think there's more opportunities to do that now because we have these online tools, right? And so you can find people to connect with. I've talked with this about a couple people. It's sometimes hard to write about your work like on a social media platform because I don't want to call out the teachers. I mean, it's the same with students, right? Like I I have a lot of feelings about sharing students' work, but students, you know, there's a lot of them. You don't always know who they are. Teachers, sometimes if I'm working with a specific school, they know that's them when I'm talking about it. So I'm a little hesitant to share some of my like coaching work in like a social media platform. But I do feel like I've made connections with people that I can then like send a text to or send an email and say, I'm having like trouble with this situation or like, I just tried something really cool that worked. Do you want to talk about it? I think for me, that's been another way of reflecting, talking with people, but writing really has helped a lot. Just notes and looking back on them and then trying something new. I mean, almost like when I was teaching, right? I would try this lesson, what worked, what didn't work, and then try it different, like in a different way the next time. I try Mm -hmm. to do a, a little bit of that. And immediately for me, I have to like write things down immediately or it's gone. So like, as I'm walking out, like, can I take a couple quick notes or can I give myself half an hour at the end of the day that I can just stay in that school somewhere in a room and write a couple things down? Yeah. And just because that reflection becomes the grist for kind of the next thing you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's lovely. And I love how your diagram for kind of coaching reflection looks like the teaching learning cycle, looks like the problem solving cycle, that that it's very holistic. Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Like that's the beauty of this work is that we continue to learn and grow. And, you know, I say like, even with the book, it's like, okay, these tools came out of years and years of me doing things and refining them and change them. And even now I'm still refining and changing things. And, you know, these, it's hard when you write a book because then it's like set in stone. And I'm like, but that's not how it's going to evolve and it's going to change. So I feel that way even now about some of the tools I'm changing and working with. That was really hard for me to get past that feeling of like, somehow of like writing it for myself, that's one thing, but once you kind of share that, oh, am I committed to this now? Because every year I think I get better at it. Yeah, exactly. That I mean, but I think that's everybody knows that, right? Like things change and evolve. And right now, this is like a slice in time of where I am with coaching. And in 10 years and five years and six months, I'll be in a different place with coaching. And maybe, you know, like there's a beauty in that, right? Excellent. Well, so is there anything I did, haven't asked you about that you're kind of you would want to have a chance to say to people about coaching or about the book or about uh, your work? I think for me, something that's really important about coaching is honoring teachers. And I I sometimes worry like that didn't come through enough in the book. I think it did, but it's really important for me that when I work with schools and I work with teachers that that we honor the work that they're doing at whatever point of their journey they're on in teaching. Teaching is really, really hard, particularly right now with so many different constraints. And I think 
I never want coaching to be this thing that's like forced upon teachers or that is a negative experience. It's really about honoring them. And, and an important role, I think, of a coach is advocating for teachers, right? It's yes, advocating for students, teachers are advocating for students, but like advocating for teachers within these spaces. And, and you're in a position a lot of times as a coach where you have a different kind of privilege and power, and particularly now in my role, right? Because I'm not, you know, I can kind of come in and out of schools I work with in a very different way. And I feel like there's a responsibility for coaches to be advocates for the teachers that they work with, all in the service of making sure that students are getting, you know, equitable opportunities to learn math, right? But I, I do think that's an important role. And I, I almost wish I included like, that's the one thing I wish I included in the book that wasn't there, like coaching is like advocacy work and, and just honoring teachers as professionals. It's a kind of a great opportunity we have sometimes as people just to step outside the system and so important when the profession is under such stress. Yeah, I always feel blessed to work with teachers. They're, they're just the best people. They are. My mother was a there. She just retired. She was a third and fifth grade elementary school teacher. And I always say, you know, when I'm in a professional learning and there's, you know, a teacher who maybe is pushing back a little bit against something. I always say like, I could picture my mom's like a very feisty New Yorker. I could picture my mom saying that. And I also know how much my mom cared about her students and I know what a great teacher she was. So I like always like, it's a very personal thing to me, but I think it's like to generalize it. I think it's just really important to remember everyone's coming to these experiences with you as a coach in different ways. But if we can like really try to believe that they, they want what's best for their students. I think the ways in which we interact with them is very different. Yeah, I, boy, I couldn't endorse that more wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I've enjoyed your writing for so long and it's just terrific to get to hear from you directly. And I love the book and it's gonna be uh, important to me in my work with teachers going forward. So thank you for that too. Oh, great. Well, maybe we can be, we can collaborate and, and chat coaching now. Maybe that would be great that as, you, really as we go through things. Yeah. All right. Well, so thank you so much. One of the things I think that, that I'm hoping that we get to is related to where we started was Henry noticing that Ted doesn't look like he's doing anything. Right. Uh, and I think that that goes along with both you and I. I was telling this to my students yesterday as they were doing some work in class, and I felt like I was doing nothing. I was observing, I was supporting where I could, asking questions because I was curious, but I, I was not doing the work that it felt like I was trained to do when I was a, a pre-service teacher. And some of that comes from both you and I have this commitment to, by the end of the semester, becoming obsolete. That's the Debbie Miller thing, right? At yeah. The, at the end of the time, you're doing the same thing as you were at the beginning. Yeah. Something went wrong. Yes, exactly. So some of that is, to me, connected to what Ted tells um, Trent Krim in season one and what Pep says right back to Ted in season three. Yeah, that was a great bookend. Yeah, so. The following comes from a scene in season one, episode three. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. 
It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. And it ain't always easy, Trent. But neither is growing up without someone believing in you. So, and let's come back to this idea, too, about while we heard about a lot of ideas, these are not particularly steps to follow. What? You're not going to give me, like, follow these five steps? No. Here, you here. will be a classroom coach. No. What Ted told Beard, and Beard responded back to him, all people are different people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so some of what we want to make sure that our audience is thinking about is that what they've learned, both through this podcast and probably even more outside of this podcast, right. yeah. is that they need to internalize what they're learning and make it their own and make it responsive to their needs and the needs of their students. Right. What we'd like to make sure that we're encouraging our audience to do is to think about ways that they could share their expertise and their understanding with others. They don't need our permission to do their own <laughs> teaching like Ted Lasso live no, at, no, no. at conferences, and it doesn't need to just be math conferences. It doesn't need to be Ted Lasso. It doesn't need to be Ted Lasso, but we would encourage you to think about how you might share your your passion, your expertise with others. Out on your own, but not out alone. Ooh, I like that. Yep, just came to me. <laughs> we do this a lot with our pre-service teachers. Some of you know that we would take them to conferences like NCTM and have them help us present. And some of that is because we believe in that idea of mentoring and coaching and you know, developing the next level of teacher leaders. And it's you, whether you believe it or not, it's you. You are that teacher. Yeah. Go out and share. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. These are not particularly steps to follow. What? You're not going to give me, like... Follow these five steps. No, here, and you here. will be a classroom coach. No. What How about four do? steps and you leave the fifth step to be mysterious oh. and resolved later? Yeah. It was always going to be believe. <laughs> <laughs>